Friends of comics from around the world, the sound of my voice and the echoes of my snoring French bulldog Bruno in the distance lets you know that you've arrived once again at the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, that dimension, that place, that space outside of time. However, this is episode number 46. And even though we do exist outside of space and time in that realm where comics spin on an ever-evolving rack, always replaced, always fresh and new, every week, five new books to choose, my top five, agree or disagree, listen to the end for all the ways you can do that. Now for my first choice, I'm moving right in very quickly to Batman number 89 because the story doesn't allow us to slow down at almost any point. James Tynan writes a very compelling script with Carlo Pagulayan, Guillaume March, and Danny Makey providing the art, Tomu Mori, Clayton Cowles, sorry, Tomu Mori on the colors, Clayton Cowles on the letters, Tony S. Daniel, and Tomu Mori on the cover, the variant cover by Francesco Mattina. And like I said, we jump right in, the penguin crawling into a hospital entrance in Gotham, bleeding, yelling about how the Batman threw him out and all the danger that's about to be unleashed and the threat they're all facing. And of course to say Batman would be here, but he's out getting the bad guys. And we start off with the rather rough dismantling of Gunsmith, a never-quite-cut-it almost soldier who developed a reputation for building a weapon out of the materials he could find on the other side of a security checkpoint and using that to kill someone on a plane in broad daylight or at least in public i can't remember now if it was day or night when he accomplished the feat it doesn't matter because he's taken down by batman quickly efficiently mercilessly and in doing so batman moves on but the story isn't just about Batman, who knows he is being distracted and is trying to find a way to get in touch with Catwoman, who for some reason has been out of touch. And that reason is she's kept a secret, one that she finally reveals to Batman. And in order to avoid the spoilers, I will not tell you what that secret is, although if you keep up with all of the news, I'm sure you know by now. I will give you one hint. The name of this character begins with a D. That's all I got. New character, new introduction, and a pact made by Catwoman and the others. One she's mournful for, apologetic about, and doing her best to convince Bruce that no matter what happened in the past, that since she's on his side and she'll help him in any way she can to not be taken down by an agreement they made that was clearly involving Batman's undoing. We also get some nice touches here where the story drops in on characters who are average public citizens struggling to understand what now is happening to Gotham, why it is that some, in their minds, almost rogue billionaire is tearing up the city and shaping it in his image without really giving the public a lot of say. It's an interesting approach that mirrors the fact that Batman is trying to keep up with the plan he doesn't understand. And 
it'll be a curious thing to see how these stories develop on their own and then together, or if perhaps one is feeding the other into a longer narrative that we'll get to later on. Either way, a solid five out of five performance, a great experience, one that I'm happy to make my first choice here on episode number 46 of the DC Comics New Spinner Rack. You know what that means. It's time for the second choice. Now for that one, I move right into Deceased Unkillables, number one. Now for this one, we've got a really fun story by Tom Taylor. If you've seen his work on other It's All Coming to an End storylines, you know that he knows how to kill people. He knows how to kill people painfully, and he knows how to take our worst nightmares, place them on our favorite characters, and then watch everything fall apart. Tom Taylor's words and narrative is penciled by Carl Mostert. Inks are provided by Trevor Scott, Endiel Edwards, and John Livesey. Colored by Rex Locus, lettered by Seda Temofonte, with a cover by Howard Porter and Tomu Mori, and variant covers by Francesco Martina and Yasmin Putri. Putri. I'm going to butcher at least one name on this podcast. I guarantee you it's probably going to be more than one almost every time. I don't like it to go that way, but I know that it happens. I'm sorry when it does, and I thank you for your patience. There isn't a lot of patience on display in Deceased Unkillables number one. We open with Slade Wilson and his eventual succumbing to the disease, and then how the thing that makes him who he is defeats the anti-life equation that has been ravaging the world as part of the deceased storyline, and not just our world, but the universe as well. We're just watching the story unfold here on Earth and seeing how different heroes, anti-heroes, and survivors have made their way to find each other, and how through sort of far-seeing gaze of someone like Vandal Savage, their ranks are joined by those like Slade Wilson, the Red Hood, otherwise known as Jason Todd, and a very interesting cast of those who believe that they are the only survivors. Interestingly enough, if you do not know much about trees and sea life, you get a very interesting narrative and parable provided by our own Mr. Savage about evolution, about surviving, about how, in the worst of circumstances, there are always those species on Earth that survive and find a way to persevere. According to Savage, they are among that number and they are joining to their ranks all those who have a skill set that can benefit the group. Who else will join them? How else can this story continue to unfold even though it's about the end of the world? Well, one thing I can always trust on and trust in is Tom Taylor. He's matched here with grittily realistic pencils and art that capture the stark reality that I think we all sort of know and fear is so near and possible, and maybe even in some ways eventual. Whether you're a fan of The Walking Dead, a fan of zombies, a fan of destruction motifs and themes, if you just like seeing gory stuff happen and then playing the odds to see who survives, how they do it, and for how long, 
well, this book is right up your alley. And it's for all those reasons I was happy to give it a five out of five and make it my second choice for this episode of DC Comics New Spinner Rack. And with my second choice out of the way, well, that means it's time to pause, take an ad break, catch up on all the things going on here at DC Comics News and those who we collaborate with, contribute to, and partner with, and of course, everything else that we think might be worth your attention. Thanks for taking the time to enjoy this quick break. Come right back as we get into number three, four, and five for this week. And of course, you'll know where you are because there's my voice and then the silence. Yep, there it is, the rumblings of my French bulldog, Bruno. You'll be back in a safe place right after this ad break. Thanks for your patience. Hi, everyone. I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News podcast. Here every week to talk everything DC. Movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) No. First, there was the DC Comics News podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones, I am the Knight. And once again, thank you for your patience. I shall thusly reward you with our third choice. And that brings us to the third issue of Joker Killer Smile by Mr. Jeff Lemire with art by Andrea Sorrentino, colors by Jordi Belair, and letters by Steve Wands. Andrea Sorrentino on the cover with Kari Andrews on the variant cover. And together they show us what happens when the structure of a world and man's life becomes unraveled. If you've been following along or not, you know that there's always a great challenge facing anyone who decides to become a doctor at Arkham Asylum and take on as their patient the criminal known as the Joker. In this instance, we have a doctor who was upstanding, who believed he had a gift, who believed he had the talents, who believed he had the experience to find a way to connect with Joker, to be the person who could get through, see through, and become someone who was 
a point of calm within the storm, a place of refuge, a place where there can be a connection. Instead, what is found is a connection between the Joker and yet another doctor victim, one whose story I encourage you to experience for yourself, to enjoy without any hints or sort of drop-ins from me beyond the knowledge that when the Joker does make a connection in this story, what we see is his ability not to turn his attention to the way the doctor is asking him to see the world, but to show the doctor how in actuality, they've both been looking at this world the same way. Only the Joker is willing to see it for what it really is. Everyone else must place a facade, a screen, an Instagram filter to make it feel like what they believe it should be or what it really is. The Joker instead strips that away. Should you find yourself as that doctor standing in front of a mirror, wearing clown makeup, threatening your family, potentially doing horrible things to your family, and then seeking out the Joker so that you can show him what you've learned about yourself and what they can do together because now you understand well, congratulations. You have not only fallen under the spell of the Joker, you have fallen into the hole of the White Rabbit. You will tumble forever until eventually you reach a painful downfall. Which is why it's interesting in this story when Batman does appear, we see his entrance to the story at this point and how it's such a glaring, glaring and jarring adjustment after everything that's led up to it and how it feels like almost an intrusion, almost like he's the enemy when he's finally presented. It's a great opportunity for any Batman fan, any Joker fan, any fan of great storytelling to experience that moment and transition and how it not only affects you, the reader, but the story you're reading and the characters who are telling it. I was really moved by this, and the entire time I was trying to figure out how I would talk about this issue, I was reminded of this great email I get from my local comic shop. And they were talking about a recent work by Jeff Lemire, and they said, we have a saying around here when it comes to uh, this artist, this writer, and it goes, in Lemire we trust. And I can see that that continued trust is continually rewarded and thus well-placed think I shall continue to do the same. I look forward to whatever he puts his hands on next. I've been a big fan of many of his works as they have recently appeared on the spinner rack, whether it was the Inferior Five or today with Joker Killer Smile. Solid five out of five from me. Happy to share with you as my number three. Now, while that was our third choice, and a great five out of five choice, to put it number three, I'm always going to wonder if this three wouldn't have been a better three, or if this three fits better as a four. What am I talking about? Well, it's Superman smashes the clan, of course. Well, not really, of course. You didn't know that. I did, hence the of course, because I'm acting like it's something that should have been known, even though the point of this episode, like every episode, it's to share something new with you, share something that caught my attention, share something I hope we can both talk about later. I think Superman Smashes the Clan Part 3 is a great story that 
is worthy of many conversations. This tale written by Jean Luen Yang with art and cover by Guri Huriu. Ooh, I might have mispronounced that. Let me try again. Guri Hiru. I think that might be better. And lettering by Janice Chiang is a lovely story, not only about the experiences of Clark Kent in Smallville and a family that has come to town and is facing persecution, not only from outright bigots, those who are part of a Klan movement that is a mirror of KKK or the Ku Klux Klan, and how there's also this discomfort among everyday citizens and the adjustment from seeing people who don't look like you, who are different, who have different customs and traditions and ways of engaging or interacting. And yet at the same time, as a young boy, part of a family of four, a son who wants to play baseball, a national pastime, even though a recent tragedy has led to the breaking of his arm and his inability to be part of the team, and the tension that that creates with one of his closest friends and teammates, or his sister, a budding prodigy, one who has caught the attention of Miss Lois Lane and aspires to be a reporter, seeking to tell the truth, especially based on the experiences of her family. But what I also loved was when you get to the end of this story and the narrative that comes in about how this book is so closely connected to the classic radio program, Superman, and how in that narrative, one of the most important things that this author believes came from that was the chance to tell the story about Superman taking on the Klan a variation, one that could be accepted by mainstream media and yet still warn about the evils of a rising group of national terror. And how the thoughtful awareness when it came to the some 20 odd different scripts that were written before one was finally accepted and approved and seen to be the best fit to tell this story and to take a chance to be a voice of opposition for something that was very popular. Well, this becomes a, a really great story that I think everyone should have a chance to read. And it tells about the power of Superman, not only as a symbol, but as a force and how when that force is thoughtful and not brutish, you see the best qualities of Superman come forth and how the ratings from that program led to the eventual downfall of the actual KKK, the public shift from approval to disapproval, and the narratives of storytelling that came from this radio program and the way they shaped our national direction, our national moral compass, and many of the values that we've come to associate and identify with Superman and heroes who we say or believe fight for the right, fight for the good, fight for the just, fight for the weak, fight for those who need someone to stand up and fight for them. It, it really tied the issue together and it brought me back to this beautiful moment when young Clark gets a piece of advice about how he still wants to be seen as a human being, even though it's clear now to those paying attention that he's not. 
and that it's his desire to still be human, to still do the things that are human-like, just better, just a little more exceptional, that is actually an act on his part of holding himself back. It's a choice. And because of that, he's not able to be all the best things that we know he can be as Superman. What discovery does he make? What skill does he uncover? How does he finally free himself from trying to be just a better version, if not a more exceptional version of a human being? Well, that's a great discovery that's revealed on a baseball field in front of the entire town and creates a, a really interesting discussion about who Superman was before that moment, who he is still now. And it makes me think about the recent storylines from Brian Michael Bendis about the idea of Superman revealing his secret identity and how that has or hasn't changed the opinion of people who know, love, and or support or used to support him. And whether that's changed since new information has been brought to light. I thought this was a great story and one that made me think that books like Superman Smashes the Clan have a place for all those who yearn for storytelling about the best qualities that superheroes can embody, embrace, defend, and champion. And I really enjoyed everything that this book offered. I loved the great pencils, the great color. I loved the lines. I loved how much of it felt so simple, fresh, earnest, and yet also because of that, so raw in its power so impressive in its statements really great contribution to the spinner rack this week happy to make it my fourth choice no longer waffling over it being three or four i just know it's a great pick for the spinner rack and a great five out of five i'm happy to share with you for all those reasons and the many more i hope you discover and share with me stay tuned to the end for all the ways you get to do that and that means we've reached our fifth and final book for this episode of The Spinner Rack, I'm talking about Wonder Twins, issue number 12. A really fun story that I had a great time picking up. Something that made me smile the whole way through. And there has been this amazing narrative that has developed in the Wonder Twins. Talking about issues of social justice, social inequality. The struggle for the right and good to do what's right and good when so often those who aren't take advantage of the power they're able to assume, make the playing field level only for a select few, and taking the skills, talents, discoveries of those who don't have as much power and leveraging them until they eventually feel powerless, lost, confused, disheartened. That's the place that we find Zan and Jaina in this 12th issue. Sure, they were able to help Philo Math and his daughter, their classmate. Sure, they were able to bring him back to a real world, but it was one in which he discovered that the AI he created had almost taken over the world and that his house was destroyed in the process, all their belongings lost. And Zan and Jaina are struggling with what it means to be a hero when they can't even help their friends in need, which is a great moment to see Jaina face off with the Justice League. 
take some pretty hard stances and tell truth to power. And impressively so when that power is Superman. Now, the discoveries they've made along the way has taught the Wonder Twins about so many of the things that they want to become. But it's also shown them so many of the things that they feel are overlooked, are missed, are things that superheroes should be able to help with. And for whatever reasons, they don't. Now, this is something that many of the heroes address as being things that they would help more with if they could but they have responsibilities they have numerous villains and at the drop of a hat they often have to dash off and deal with those consequences or face those problems instead of doing what they want which might be to stay help attend to the details it's the details of crime fighting which have led them to become the superheroes they are and use the powers they've been given and the ability to use that when and how they want even if it's to help a friend or someone they care about isn't a luxury that they have so how can Zan and Jaina find a way to take what they've learned what they've done what they know and what they've seen and put it to practice for the causes they believe in, well, that's a challenge that they're going to have to come to grips with together. But in doing so, I think this is a really great way to wrap up what has been a really fun story for me, a really great journey with the Wonder Twins, walking, watching them, reading about them, seeing them sort of make their way around earth and in doing so providing that sort of really fun experience that is the joyful moment of working at the hall of justice but then balancing that with the difficulties even they face as refugees as those who might be unwanted and undesirable because they're a burden now that they've arrived and are lost and must restart their lives and must need help. But it's the help that they're provided and given that allows them to become more than just refugees. And it's something they want to do for others. This is a narrative that many people can relate to, whether they are refugees themselves or if they're just in a position when they're restarting their life. Watching Zan and Jaina take on those challenges and even with the help of superpowers, oftentimes come up short and deal with what it means when you don't always get what you want, when things don't work out, and when at the end of it all, it's still really hard. Well, what we're left with then is a really powerful story that can be taken with the lightest of hearts or with the heaviest of thoughts. I think that's been one of the powers of Wonder Twins, I think it's displayed them over these 12 issues, and they do a wonderful job of wrapping things up with this last and final. Hopefully, though, this maxi run is not the end of all that has been developing, and we'll get a chance to see more of the Wonder Twins in whatever the roles we may get a chance to experience. I love their recent appearance in Young Justice. I hope we get the chance to see more of them in the future. Now, for me, well, my present has come to an end because that was our fifth and final book, which means 
this episode, episode number 46 of the BC Comics News, Spinner Rack has come to an end. We must now talk about all the other things that come at the end of this podcast. For starters, you've heard me asking for your thoughts and opinions, your beliefs, your feelings about the five books I've picked for this episode, the ones that I've chosen, the ones that I believe best fit this list, and given my reasons for why I think they do. Now, if you've got a different reason, that's the thing I'm really interested in hearing, and we've got ways for you to let us know. On social media, just use the tag at DC Comics News on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and YouTube to let us know your thoughts and respond to any of the content we've shared there or anything you want to say about this or any episode of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack and the books that I pick for it. Again, that's at D-C-C-O-M-I-C-S-N-E-W-S. Capitals on the D and C, and that big N. And of course, you can find us on all the major podcast platforms. DC Comics News and the Podcast Network are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. So if you haven't yet, and this is your first experience discovery, please head over subscribe to the podcast, rate and review, and you'll get the chance to hear all of our great content because it's not just about me and the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. As much as I enjoy it, as much fun as I have, I have just as much fun hanging out with the gang on the DC Comics News Weekly Podcast, talking about everything from movies, TV, and streaming to comics, and that great category we call Other, which, well, sometimes what pops up surprises all of us. You'll want to catch it by subscribing to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. You'll get a chance to catch discussions from myself, Brad Felicki, Kelly Gaines, and Steve J. Ray, my co-conspirators, co-collaborators, and perhaps co-inhabitants of a future world that we one day rule together. And Steve J. Ray has recently unleashed the magnificence that is his podcast, I Am The Night, which is an episode-by-episode breakdown of the classic Batman the Animated Series. Tune in now. Catch up soon. Episodes are coming quickly, and you don't want to miss a one, and you'll love going back and remembering all these favorite moments from Batman the Animated Series, as shared with you by my good friend, Mr. Steve J. Ray. Catch us all here by making sure you've subscribed to the DC Comics News Podcast on your favorite platform. And then, as a reminder, until next time, the most important thing you can always do, read more comics. Thanks so much. Can't wait to join you next time right here on the DC Comics News Spinner Rack.